Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. We'll continue this evening with our discussion of the Paramatma Sandarbha. Uh, Anucheta 54. We're speaking about the Lord's extrinsic um, energy, his uh, material energy, Bahiranga Shakti. And this 54th Anucheta deals with Namita components of Vidya and Avidya. Namita, remember, is the, um, I guess we would call the acting principle of Maya, not the constituent principle. Um, Going over this Anucheta, uh, really we need to see it in the context of the next Anucheta also. Uh, I don't know if we'll get through both of them this evening, uh, but it, uh, it plays into a general general concept. In fact, in uh, reading the Anachetas, preparing notes, I kind of felt that the 55th Anacheta would be better if it was presented first. <laughs> but we'll follow Jiva Goswami's lead here. So, the Vidya and Avidya potencies of the Namita Karna. So, Vidya, knowledge, and ignorance. <clears throat> The Anucheta reads as follows, Bhagavan Sri Krishna speaks of the first two functions of the Namita part of Maya. From the 11th canto, Krishna is instructing Uddhava, O Uddhava, know that knowledge, vidya, and ignorance, avidya, are my two forms, energies, created by my Maya. They are beginningless and cause the bondage and release of the embodied beings. Jiva Goswami follows by uh, taking from the commentary of Sridhar Swami. First thing. So, he says, Sridhar Swami comments, the word forms here means potencies because bondage and liberation are expanded or accomplished by them. They are created or brought about by my Maya, being forms of Maya's functions. Moksa, Banda, Kari. Though singular, is meant to be taken in the dual. Sridhar Swami continues, A doubt is raised. If bondage and liberation are the effects of Maya, then surely they cannot be beginningless and endless, respectively. Sridhar Swami answers his doubt, or the doubt that he has placed before us as something that we would might bring up. You're saying it's beginning, beginningless. So, to this, the verse replies. The verse being the verse that he's using as, as his well that he's commenting on in the Bhagavatam. To this the verse replies with the words ajay, meaning beginningless. Therefore, for as long as I inspire ignorance, there is bondage. And when I bestow knowledge, then liberation becomes manifest. Here ends Sridhar's comments. So Sridhar's putting words in Krishna's mouth, as is done often. Uh, 
we notice this is also prevalent in the uh, Srimad Bhagavatam commentaries of uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. So, therefore, for as long as I inspire ignorance, there is bondage, and when I bestow knowledge, then liberation becomes manifest. Now, Jiva goes on to explain the verse and Sridhar Swami's comments in his own words. Here, being form, quote, being forms of Maya's functions, end quote, means that knowledge and ignorance are factually states of Maya, Maya Vritti. By saying that they are created, what is meant is simply that they are manifest by maya, which has unlimited other functions because they have no beginning. In the same way, the word sparati becomes manifest in Sridhar's commentary is to be applied only to liberation because the jiva is liberated by its very own inherent nature. And it is due to ignorance alone that there is but an appearance of bondage. When knowledge arises, the liberated state is simply brought to light. So the intended sense is that liberation is the jiva's permanent state. So it's interesting. What jiva's saying is the jiva, if we look to the inherent qualities of the jiva and the nature of the jiva, the jiva is really not to be looked at as something that's some energy of the paramatma that's wrapped up or overcome by maya or the external energy. The jiva, in essence, is pure. So we should see the jiva as pure. And this influence... This is its natural state, is basically what Jiva Goswami is saying. The Jiva is pure. The Jiva can't be affected by Maya. So, this, this state of being under the influence of the external energy is truly not the natural state of the Jiva. Nothing that we haven't heard before. It's just being put here in a, in a much more philosophical context that we're, in essence, I mean, even Krishna in the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, you know, no, you're, you know, there's never birth nor death, nor will you ever cease to be, you're unborn, you're eternal, ever existing, dying, you're not slain when the body is slain, how many more things can I do and say so that you understand this has nothing to do with what you and who you really are in your essence, but you're buying into something. So we're talking about here the fact that the material energy has two potencies, which are nimitta, they have an influence, an active influence. The constituent part of the Lord's external energy doesn't have a an active influence, earth, water, fire, air. I mean, it's just those are the constituent parts, the energy, the particles. Uh, however, we'll get into the 24 
tattvas that make up the <coughs> upadan here, I believe, in, in this commentary, yes. So, again, the intended, intended purpose here, Jiva's saying, is see, you should see yourself for what you really are. Your, the, your, your, the jiva, yourself, is, is pure in nature. So if you start out with that understanding, then we can proceed in, in a deeper understanding of, of how the external energy influences us. Jiva Goswami continues, One should not object... <coughs> That the general definition of mind given in verse from Anacheta 48 is incomplete since it was not said there that Maya awards liberation. Rather, in that verse, it was stated that Maya brings about dissolution. So he's going back to the 48th Anacheta, which is basically where this discussion of the Lord's external energy began. And he began very simply. What did he say? He took a verse from the 11th canto and he presented that and said, now this is the general idea of Maya. We'll start here. We have described this tricolored Maya of Bhagavan that creates, sustains, and dissolves the universe. What more do you wish to hear? So in other words, Maya is really simple. It creates the material manifestation, maintains it, and dissolves it. So that was where Jiva began his discussion. So you would say, well, wait a minute. It didn't say there anything about liberation, and you're saying that knowledge brings about the deliverance of the Jiva, doesn't seem to fit. So Jiva says, well, actually it does fit. Because in that verse, we talk about creation, sustenance, and dissolution. Well, dissolution, let's look at the word dissolution. And then we can. We can look to dissolution. And where do we go for that? We go to the explanation of the ten subjects of the Bhagavatam. So the Bhagavatam is a major Purana and it covers ten subjects, the last of which, well, the next to the last of which, the last, of course, is Ashraya, the one that shelters all the other topics that are presented in a major Purana, which would be the Supreme. But one of the, there's Sarga, Visarga, I, I didn't, I'm not going to bring them all up here. I didn't write them all down, but I did write the details down and bring a verse that talks of the item of dissolution. So, what he's saying is, when we when I gave you the general description of what was Maya in there was dissolution. Well, guess what dissolution is? Dissolution. There's four kinds of dissolution as presented in the subjects of the Bhagavatam. So what are those? And this is from the 12th canto. There are four types of cosmic dissolution. 
namitika, occasional, prakritika, total, nitya, constant, and achyantika, ultimate. So, if we look to these four, the last one is ultimate, that one leads moksha. Now, what are the other three? Well, there, there's the the occasional. That's at the that's when Brahma's done for the day. So he he's done at the end of a day. Uh, Four billion eight hundred million. Anyway, a long, long time. So many cycles, a thousand cycles of four yugas. Uh, so at the end of the day, there's a partial dissolution of the universe. Everything kind of wraps up uh, in Garbhodakshai Vishnu within a particular universe. So this partial dissolution is the first kind of dissolution that's one of the four dissolutions that make up dissolution in the ten subjects of the Bhagavatam. The second one is uh, Prakritika and that dissolution is Brahma's done. His life is over and the whole a whole material creation which comes forth from the pores or the breathing or however you may conceive of the Lord as Karnadakshai Vishnu, all the universes are coming out of his body, of his form, and a particular universe is Brahma's been there for a hundred years. A hundred years, that's a long, long time in our, I mean, I mean, yeah, even to try to try to even put the figure in our mind is very, very difficult. But it's the end and, and the whole, a whole cosmic manifestation goes back into the Lord at that time. So that's a total. Then there's occasional. At every moment, there's dissolution. Constant, I'm sorry, constant. At every moment, constantly, there's dissolution. The cells of our skin are dying, our body's getting older, leaves are falling off the trees. I mean, how many words, how many places, how many, at every place we look, you know, the car needs, the car needs repairs again and again. And again, <laughs> it's constantly in need of repair. The body at the end, it gets into the same state of constantly needing repair. Some repairs work and others may not work at all. And then we have this achyantika, this ultimate dissolution. So in the words of the Bhagavat, ultimate dissolution is when a jiva becomes liberated. That's that's the best that's the best dissolution. Is this ultimate dissolution? So that's exactly what Jiva Goswami points to here as uh, included in the broad definition he gave at the beginning of this section that this tricolored manifestation of creation 
Rama, maintenance, Vishnu, and dissolution, Shiva. So in that, we can see dissolution, and we can see the liberation that's spoken of here, which comes about by the Vidya potency within the material manifestation as part of the Nimitika aspect of the Baharanga Shakti. So it makes sense? Yes, they they affect one, avidya, ignorance, makes us buy into the material energy, and knowledge makes us aware of the fact that we have nothing to do with the material energy. So it sounded like you were saying that Jiva Swami was saying that knowledge is is the natural part of the jiva. That's what I took from what you were saying earlier. That he was adding that knowledge or the liberated state, this jiva is naturally pure. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is a, an, essential. an essential part of the, the jiva. Is that what he was No, saying? we're no. talking we're talking about the jiva is under the influence of, of either knowledge, knowledge or, or ignorance. ignorance. Okay. Now if we look back to the intrinsic qualities of the jiva Awareness, awareness, cognition is one of the intrinsic qualities. But having absolute, having proper knowledge or being under ignorance is not intrinsic. We're either under the influence of one or the other. It helps manifest the Jiva's nature. But but the soul itself is full of knowledge. Or no? No, if we look to the list of 21 intrinsic qualities, it has the ability of knowledge. It it can be knowledgeable, but the knowledge it has is based upon the environment you put it in. So if you put it in one environment, it can be overcome by ignorance, or even in that environment, it can acquire knowledge and learn of of its true nature, or if it's in the Sarup Shakti, it can be definitely under the under the full under full awareness of its spiritual self. But as far as intrinsically, intrinsically we have the ability to be be aware. Now what we're aware of is dependent upon the environment you place us in. The association that we place ourselves in, specifically. So, put ourselves in the you know, in the wrong environment, and we'll lose all sense of of self. We'll become really dumb, and you know, yeah. Or material nature may do it for us. There's eight million four hundred thousand species of life that jiva can enter. Any one of those, depending on how it interacts with karma. This is so nicely explained in the next Anucheta, but we'll work up to that. <laughs> so we shouldn't think that the general descri- description was incomplete, is what Jeeva is saying. In other words, don't fault me for the fact that I didn't include in that first, that the verse that I used to explain a general definition of Maya didn't say specifically liberation. It's there. Just read between the lines. 
And then he read between the lines for us here. Here it should be understood that the aspect of Maya known as Vidya is only a gateway to the illumination stemming from the wisdom faculty that is a specific feature of the Shurup Shakti or the intrinsic potency of Bhagavan. By itself, however, the Vidya potency of Maya is incapable of bestowing liberation. So now Jiva is saying, but let me tell you about knowledge. There's two kinds of knowledge. There's the knowledge at work within and as a potency of my Maya Shakti. It's certainly illuminating. It leads to the mode of goodness. It can take you so far. It's a doorway to liberation, that knowledge. But you can't turn the knob from your side with that knowledge. It can take you there up to a point. But what you need is need for actual liberation is what? You need the Swarup Shakti. So Jiva's saying this knowledge that we're speaking of here in this Anucheta, these are Jiva, this is actually the Anucheta proper proper. Jiva's presenting it this way. This knowledge won't take you all the way. This knowledge is only it's, it will show you the way up to a point. At the point, what point? Well, you can become a Jivan Mukta. This knowledge will take you that far. What is, as is far that as... It's called? Hmm? What they called? What? The, uh, vidya, the knowledge that only takes you so far. Vidya. Vidya, okay. The other knowledge is called Vidya also. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they're both Vidyas. They're both knowledge. Okay, but how far can we go? We can come to the state of of a Sukadev, of the Kumars, with this knowledge. You become become walking liberated person in the world, walking samadhi. You can be aware of the fact that you're Brahman, but you can't you, you can't you can't get all the way. Without what? Without a pinch of bhakti, a pinch of the ingress of the Lord Swarup Shakti. In that Swarup Shakti, there is the absolute knowledge that can lead to liberation. Actually, Krishna gives liberation. So knowledge doesn't give liberation. This is where the jnanis get it wrong. They think, all I need is knowledge. Knowledge alone can take me all the way. But it doesn't. That's why we find in the writing of the Acharyas, specifically in the writing of Prabhupada, the fact that they fall down. What's he mean when he's, he's saying they fall down? These jnanis from Brahman. He's not really meaning they fall from Brahman because they've never really attained Brahman proper. 
they've attained revelation and realization of their total spiritual position, the jnani, but they haven't actually attained liberation. So they can fall down from that state of, well, they're liberated from Maya's influence, but they're a jivan mukti. They're still within a material body. They're still functioning in the world. And until there's an ingress of at least a touch of bhakti, they're not going to attain their goal of Brahman or Sayuja merging into the into the form of the Lord or merging into the, the effulgence of the Lord. Make sense? <clears throat> so, by itself, however, Vidya potency of Maya is incapable of bestowing liberation. Jiva Goswami goes on. The aspect of Maya known as Avidya, in turn, has two functions. So now let's go and let's look at ignorance. So ignorance has two. The potency of concealment and the potency of projection. The first is situated in the Jiva alone, covering its inherent consciousness. And the other continually causes attachment in the jiva by inciting cognitions that are other than the reality. Samskaras. We, we see maya and so sometimes these are called uh, the covering potency of maya and the ability to throw us into maya's grip. Maybe you've heard like that. Like that. What's the first word you use for the throwing? Well, first there's the concealment of our true identity, and then the potency of projection. We project ourselves into, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm a cow, I'm a cat, I'm whatever, and I'm in this culture, I'm in that culture, I'm smart, I'm dumb, I'm rich, I'm poor, I'm this, I'm that, and I'm not the factually is. I'm a pure jiva. That's what I really am. That's what Jeeva is trying to bring us to through this whole thing. Now understand, if we can understand these workings of Maya, we can better understand ourselves and specifically what we are not. Maya is very strong. Maya has a lot of influence, but really has nothing to do with us. If we could just, just keep our consciousness in the right framework when Maya's potencies are, when we're immersed in the potency of Maya, then we can see things as they are. And we don't have to drop our bow on the battlefield. We don't have to forget that we're not this body. We don't have to be in lamentation about the fact that I'm having to engage in battle with my teachers and my elders and my family members. So that's, that's where Krishna begins, sunk in the very beginning of the second chapter. No, you're not this body. No, you're not this circumstance. No, no, no. You have nothing to do with this. So, recognition of, of what is proper and what isn't proper. So, commentary. <clears throat> 
as a little pounding of the post. Maya has two divisions, namely Upadan in the form of Prakriti or Pradhan and Nimitta in the form of the Gunas. The Upadana part manifests 24 tattvas beginning with Mahat. Namita has two divisions of Vidya and Avidya. So let's go back to the constituent part and just go through what are these 24 tattvas that make up the material constituent aspect of the Lord's external energy. So, what do we have? We have five knowledge-acquiring senses. We have five working senses. Well, there's ten of the twenty, um, twenty-four tattvas there. Then we have the objects of the senses, sometimes referred to as tan mantras. So we have there's there's sound out there. There's sight, things to see, there's things to smell, there's things to taste and feel, there's these various sense objects, tanmatras. Then we have five gross elements, earth, water, fire, air, ether, gross elements. Then we have nature to be seen as the mahat, to be seen as, mm, beginning with Mahat, the conglomerate of all materiality, constituent materiality, when it's actually manifest. Unmanifest, it's Pradhan. We'll, this will come out in depth in the next Anucheta, but So we have the Mahat. The whole thing kind of wrapped together is looked at as one one constituent. Then we have intelligence, false identification, mind, intelligence, false ego, and the mind, manas. So, these three, mind, intelligence, false ego, five knowledge, five working, objects of the senses, gross elements, earth, water, fire, and ether, and the Mahat, all of it together. No, the unmanifested is before the Mahat, there's Pradhan. Yeah, that's the potentiality. The potentiality of the manifestation of the material cosmos Unmanifested in the in the Lord is referred to as Pradhan. Pradhan is unmanifested, but but in the list is it two separate things or is that? It's not in the list because we're talking about the twenty four constituents of Maya. So for Maya to manifest, there has to be manifestation. So Pradhan isn't there. Pradhan is all of it in the unmanifested state within the Lord. All right, going on. Avidya has two further divisions. I'm sorry. Yes, Avidya has two. Um, Avaranatmika and Viksepatmika. The first of these covers the true nature of the jiva. And the second 
furnishes it with illusory knowledge. This is, remember, this is not knowledge. This is ignorance. This is what gets us, you know, what covers our intelligence. Here it may be noted that the avidya is also described by Advaitavad as having the avaran and viksepa potencies. These two same potencies, the, that nomenclature is used by the Advaitans also. But they don't use it in the same way that the Vaishnav section does. But there the function of Avaran is to cover Brahman. So if we remember back to discussions that when we, they look at, at Maya as covering Brahman, which really not cover, it's an apati upon Brahman. Right? So they're looking like that. And Viksepa is to project the Vivarta or illusory object like the Jiva or as they sometimes say and refer to the fact that the Brahman covered by the Upadi in ignorance is the jiva and covered in knowledge is God. So, but ultimately it's all Brahman and if you can just eliminate the knowledge and the ignorance, you have it. There you are. You're liberated in Brahman. Yeah, simple. (laughs) But you're all alone. (laughs) No one there besides you. <laughs> As Donkey would say. It's okay. <laughs> You'd have to know. Donkey. Donkey. Your life's... Um, not complete. <laughs> As well. You mean that noble steed? <laughs> yes. <laughs> As well as to furnish illusory knowledge. In other words, Viksepa also functions as the upadan of the, or the material cause of illusion. So, do you, commentators just bring in, Sachin Ryan's just bringing out. He's very much into in these commentaries repeatedly bringing out an understanding for us of what is really when we talk about Advaitin philosophy or the Mayavad philosophy uh, radical non-dualism the philosophy of Sankaracharya he's really in in his commentaries to these Sandarbhas tried to educate us as students with a depth of knowledge of, of their philosophy so that we do not become bewildered by it. So that we know this, this Sankaracharya's approach to spirituality doesn't even fall under the, under the proper understanding of, of 
what we would call those that aspire for Bourbon in the true sense of the term. Because there is a true way to access the Supreme and have a conception of Brahman. Vedanti tat tat vavidas tat vavyas janam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti sabjate. Hearing the sabda can be of three types based on the mode of worship and one of those is Brahman. But that Brahman that's spoken of in that verse is not the Brahman that's put forth by Sankaracharya. It's a properly conceptualized idea of the Supreme without before without the manifestation of his qualities. But an understanding that he does also have a qualified manifestation. And to attain his unmanifested manifestation, (laughs) so to speak, in order to attain that, you have to recognize that he also has a qualified manifestation. And if you can do that and engage and get that particle of bhakti, then you can be successful and you can merge into that Brahman aspect or unqualified aspect of the Supreme. But that's not what Sankarcharya has put forth. That's not what we would, that's not what's put forth in what we commonly denote as Mayavad philosophy. And also it falls under the head of Advaitin. But now Advaitin, when we use that, we have to be more careful because some Advaitins or the terminology of Advaitin doesn't necessarily mean radical non-dualism or non-dualism that is when we use the term radical outside of the directives given in the Veda and the explanations given in the Veda of the unqualified aspect of the supreme absolute truth. goes on. The term tanu, body, in this verse is formed, uh, a little Sanskrit here, by the root tan, meaning to stretch, expand, spread, etc. Sridhar Swami translates it as energy, shakti, of which there are two divisions, namely the vidya and advidya, which manifest liberation and bondage, respectively, for the living beings. Both vidya and avidya are forms of maya, or the extrinsic energy, the compound moksha bandha kari is in the singular but should be a bindul. Anyway, this is a little technical. We'll go on. <laughs> the, bond, the bondage and liberation are produced by maya, as stated in the verse. Then they could not, if the bondage and liberation are produced by maya, as stated in the verse, then they could not be beginningless and endless respectively. To refute this, the verse says, Ajay, that both are anadi or beginningless. 
basically you would look at this and you would say, well, bondage is beginningless, but it has an end. And liberation has a beginning, but it has no end. Really, when we look, it gets a little technical here, but they're basically just saying it's a manifestation. Both are a manifestation of the Lord's energy. To solve this, let's just talk about the solution. Sridhar Swami says that as long as Sri Krishna extends a vidya for a particular living being, it remains in bondage. But as soon as he infuses it with the vidya potency, liberation begins. In other words, although liberation is beginningless, is the beginningless state of the pure self, bondage, bondage is the beginningless absence of awareness of that state. You would say, oh, well, you just sound, you're just juggling words to make it work for you, you know. But, no, that's, in other words, the, how can I explain it? Um, although liberation be, is a beginningless state, you can't point to a time, it's beginningless, of the pure self. In other words, from Jiva's definition, from the Anacheta, we're pure. So, what's the question of liberation? You're already liberated. In essence, that's what you are. You are not involved in Maya. You just, you're buying into a false narrative of a false sense of self. So, from the absolute platform, in other words, taking a very, very high road here, from the absolute platform, what's the question of liberation? You, you're, you know, you're already liberated in the sense that you're already completely pure in your essence. Although liberation is beginningless state of the pure self, bondage is the beginningless absence of awareness of that state. Bondage is the beginningless absence of awareness of that state. So that's very similar to Sankhya philosophy in the sense that that, uh, that we already liberated, but just that um, we've we forgot. We not. We don't know that we are really liberated. Once we, um, so it's the same way that, that I just have to realize that I'm liberated and boom. Yes, it is. It is. But that's where, I mean, that's where we really get to an entering consciously into this awareness of a chinta beta beta tattva. It's not that the Brahman conceptions or the undifferentiated conceptions of, of spiritual reality have no place at all. They do have a place. We are part of the Supreme and we're not. Well, there is that part where we are. So we can be looked at as 
being God. But it's not attractive to the Vaishnav, but it sure is attractive to the Brahmavadi. He's attracted to that aspect, the aspect that he is God. Not a God that has qualities, a qualityless God is what his his attraction. His Brahmati. Now, that concept is part of the concept of God. You can't take it away the, from the from that. The Bhagavatam states clearly, Vedanti tat tatva vidas tatva yes jnana madhvayam brahmeti parama according to your mode of worship, your conception, I'm supporting these three, brahmeti, paramatmeti, bhagavaditi sabjate. So yes, there is there is that that aspect. Is that? Huh? It just sounded so similar. It is. It's it's similar and it is accepted and we find. According to the way, according to how we approach him, he responds. Yeah. Let's make it through the end of this little anacheta here for this evening. So, in fact, liberation amounts to the removal of this beginningless absence of awareness. It's only an absence of awareness. It's nothing else. Just know what you are, and you're liberated. It's kind of zenny there. It's it's like that old, you know, chicken in a bottle. You got a chicken in a in a in a small neck bottle, and how do you get it out? And the Zen masters would say, "There, it's out." Wow, it's that easy. <laughs> if it was only that easy. Maya has a little bit more mystical <laughs> power than that. But you can see that, that those concepts are there. You have the, the Zen Buddhist and that's it. Just just realize, just know. Turn off Maya and you're this it's just a switch. How do you get out of Maya? There you're out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> there you're out, and then you're back in. <laughs> yeah, staying out, getting out may not be a problem. Staying out may be the difficulty, <laughs> even for the Vaishnav. <laughs> we could get out of Maya real easy. We can chant attentively. We can worship the deity, but. Sometimes we leave the temple room. <laughs> sometimes we, <laughs> sometimes we're not, you know, our consciousness isn't turned towards Krishna. When it turns towards Krishna, hey, we're Krishna conscious. So that's the that's the turning of consciousness when we can make it a haitakiya pratiyata, uninterrupted, never stopping. What is it? A haitaki, a pratiyata. What are the two words? Un, un, unmotivated and uninterrupted. So when we come to that platform, then that's fine. Up to that point, well, it may be interrupted from time to time. And that's that's our difficulty. So we have to enter, enter into the state. No other motivation. Nothing else we want and no other thing that we ever want to do. Then that's that's the perfection of our bhakti. That's pure devotional service. 
Shujiva Goswami further adds that when Sridhar Swami says that Vidya and Avidya are in the form of functions of Maya, he means that they are actually two modes of the Maya energy. The word Vini, I'm sorry, Vinirmite produced is used because Maya, which produces unlimited states, reveals both Vidya and Avidya. Therefore, in reality, both are beginningless. It's not like Maya made them. They're always there. They're, they're part of the Maya Shakti or the Bahiranga Shakti of, of the Paramatma feature of the Supreme. Shijiva Prabhu also clarifies that in reality there is no bondage for the living being. In other words, bondage is not part of the essential nature, Swarup, of the living being, but is external to it. Liberation is thus intrinsic to the pure self, but it is not aware of this due to the power of avidya. Maya is stronger than us, is basically something that we're most mostly aware of. <laughs> when one is endowed with the vidya potency, the latter reveals the liberated state of the jiva which is its inherent nature. It reveals it. It's a door. We can get up to the door. Yeah, but the, the, there's no handle on our side. <laughs> Vidya could get us to the door, but there's no doorknob on our side. The doorknob is on the other side. It has to be open for us and then the Lord's internal potency is fully revealed do we have any questions this evening I thank you so much for your association <laughs>